Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. It is so good to see you, particularly on this beautiful Memorial Day. Uh, How many of you have had or have presently family serving in the military? May I see your hand? Just about everybody in here. That's amazing. Every time I see Saving Private Ryan, did you see that, that movie? That was a... Un- unbelievably realistic movie. I think about uh, my own immediate family, my father and his four brothers. They were over there at the same time, and I got to thinking, well, the president liked Private Ryan's family, but didn't like the Spillers' family. But uh, My grandmother had all five of her boys serving in World War II at the same time, and uh, we lost one of them. My Uncle Claude Jr. did not make it home. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. So this period of time, uh, every year, I always uh, think about Uncle Claude. I remember him uh, as a little young boy uh, when he did go uh, to the service. And many of you probably have that same kind of experience and story as a family. Uh, I thank God for the military. My brothers, my younger brother and my brother served in the Navy. Uh, Both of them were on aircraft carriers. Uh, Danny, y'all have met Danny, he's coming, and uh, he had Glenda one Sunday to visit with us. He worked on the aircraft carrier Shangri-La, and uh, he was electrician's mate. My youngest brother was the last one that the pilots would see because he hooked him up to the catapult and was the one that uh, gave the word to go. So uh, his hearing is bad uh, from all those jet engines, you know, so... Uh, I hope they could be with us in the very near future so you can get to meet my family. Now I'd like for you to turn with me to a familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. The Sadducees had just completed a question and answer session with Jesus. Now the Sadducees were a, a group that did not even believe in the resurrection. And they posed a question to Jesus that had to do with the resurrection. And Jesus, I know he smiled while they were asking the question because he did tell them that uh, you don't even believe in the resurrection. But anyway, I'm going to answer your question. Then after that, a lawyer came up to Jesus. They were trying to trap him, tempt him, do everything they could to make him stumble. Let's stand together as we read this beautiful passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. It is quoted also uh, from the Old Testament, the Shema, and Deuteronomy 6. And this teacher came up to Jesus and said, Which is the great commandment? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so wonderfully and completely. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior, who did pay the ultimate sacrifice for sin. But thank you, God, that he did not stay in the grave, but was on that third day resurrected. Thank you, Father, that he is our living Lord. He is at the ever-present 
hand of God right now making intercession for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for His complete love and His complete faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I wanted to talk to you this morning about commitment. When I saw the film and I had heard all the songs that we've sung, uh, the thing that comes to my mind is commitment. Uh, Commitment is terribly and very much important. What about commitment? Would you agree that we live in a society today that's kind of uncommitted? It's kind of an interesting time to be alive, but it is also a time when uh, the opportunities for being committed and a witness is so vital. What is the root cause of this epidemic? Charles and Chuck Swindoll said this, uh, We live in a society today that can be characterized by the do-your-own-thing syndrome. We really do. Uh, We live in a society today where people are not interested in other people anymore. We're just interested basically in this society with what we're doing and where we're going and how we're going to get there. As a matter of fact, do you remember years ago, I do in my generation, where corporations used to be like families? You know, we used to call Bell Ma Bell. You remember? All kinds of corporations used to be like families. And man, when you got in there, you had a family and you made commitments and you stayed. We live in a society today where everybody got a job, has also got a fresh resume, and if they can get 50 cents an hour somewhere else, they're gone. We just live in a society today that really has forgotten the meaning of and the practice of real commitment. As a matter of fact, couples even enter marriage tentatively in our society today, but not our couple here on the third row, you know. Uh, David and Aaron, they they entered marriage the right way. Amen? Aren't you glad they're here? Yay! God bless you. Uh, As a matter of fact, you can go to Barnes & Nobles, go to the marriage and family section, and you'll find a book entitled Starter Marriage. Isn't that amazing? Like a starter home. It's just absolutely mind-boggling. Non-commitment takes forms in so many different directions. Sometimes people are not committed because they're so career-minded. Think about that. So career-minded. Oh, listen. Uh, It has been my privilege through the years to pastor some of the finest Southern Baptist churches, including this one. Many of the churches that God privileged me to pastor were absolutely mega churches. I don't understand that. My first church out of seminary had 3,342 members. I don't know why God sent me there. And then from there, we just kept going. It was unbelievable. And I want to tell you something. I learned when my children came along what to do and what not to do. Before children came along, I played golf. Uh, I've been flying ever since I was a kid. Uh, I would fly, play God. I was just involved in all kinds of things. When my children came along, bam, things changed radically. Uh, my golf clubs started getting dust on them, you know, and uh, things just happened that uh, changed my whole course of life, career. I told uh, the churches that I pastored, First Baptist Church, Snellville, good example. When we had deacons meeting, I told them, I have two young girls, and I want to tell you this. On Thursday night, I date their mother, 
And on the weekends, we do things like discover. And so if you have anything here at the church on Thursday night, I'm not going to be here. And secondly, if you have anything on Saturday morning, now a wedding, I would take the children to the wedding and they'd be in my office with my clothes ready to be changed from the wedding, and we took off. We had a time together, and I'm going to tell you, it played great dividends. I don't care where you are or what you get involved in, if you forget your wife and you forget your children, you're not doing well. You may climb the ladder of success, but I'm going to tell you something. It is not going to be worth it. We have so many people that absolutely neglect the most important thing in their life when it comes to their own career. And I've known some successful people in my life. I really have. And you can make all kinds of excuses. I have to go here. I have to do that. I have to do... No, you can do what you want to do. Does that make sense? You really can. If you really desire in your heart to be committed, I don't care what kind of career you're in or how successful you are, you can keep your priorities straight. Now, one of the things I like about the Scripture is it's so plain. When you read the book of Job, it said Job uh, was a man after God's own heart. He really was like David. Job was a man who was upright in character. As a matter of fact, the first thing mentioned about Job is his reputation. And then secondly, he had children. And it talked about all of his children. And then thirdly, it talked about all of his possessions. And I got to thinking, you know, even a book as old as Job, and some people say that's the oldest book in the Bible, he had his priorities right. God, your own character and your relationship with him, and then your family, and then things. Duh! It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So I'm going to tell you, the first place you've got to be committed is you've got to be committed in your home. You really have. If you're not committed in your home, then you're not going to be committed anywhere else. You know that a lot of people lack commitment because they've worked really hard and they think, well, it's time for me to take a break now. I can just do this leisurely. Now, I even tried that as a preacher after... Uh, I retired from the pastorate, and between churches, you know, I just decided to be leisurely. And I did this, and I did that. And I woke up one morning with the heaviest, guiltiest conscience. My conscience was telling me, and my heart was saying, uh, what have you been doing lately? How have you been a good witness lately? What kind of person are you becoming And then all of a sudden I said, you're right, Lord, I've got to get back. Uh, You know, you can just go on so many cruises, and I want to tell you what, they're all the same. The boat floats, the food is good, and everybody you stop and see them in the ports, they look the same. The music is the same. There's a uh, Margaritaville everywhere you stop. Okay, so I just saved you all a lot of money from going to the Caribbean. A lot of people don't make commitments because of so many time-consuming hobbies. Of course, you all know I've told you I've been counseling for many years. After getting my degrees in theology and et cetera in ministry, I went back to get a degree in counseling. And I have a master's level degree in forensic counseling, drug and alcohol addiction, and marriage and family. And through all these years, I've heard so many excuses about All the things that people do with their hobbies and these time-consuming things. Uh, Now, I grew up in the country. I mean really in the country. I know you've heard all the things about country. 
we walked towards town to go hunting. All right, we were in the country. Uh, li- listen, the, the interesting thing is, is that you could have hunting hobbies and you could have fishing hobbies. And you can have all kinds of hobbies. But if you're not careful, your hobbies will put you in serious trouble and it will help you not to be really committed. I used to have some deer antlers that I put together on a little, little uh, head. And uh, when I'd be counseling with some of my deer hunters that, and they were neglecting their family, when they'd come for counseling, I'd have them on the wife and I'd say, that's the deer you need to be hunting, buddy. Yeah. There it is right there. Listen, uh, I've had people to say, well, I can worship God out on the lake when the sun comes up. And, oh, my, my time out there is so precious and so private and so wonderful. I just know that I'm close to God when I'm in nature. And I told that fellow, I said, you do? He said, yeah. I said, okay, if you get sick and go to the hospital, you call the game warden to come visit you. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, the Scripture says, Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is who love to watch the sun come up on the lake. But that you need to be together and worship and draw strength from one another. Commitment is so vital and so important. And I'll tell you, we're living in a society today that's really not that committed. You know what the root cause of that is? The very root cause of it? Selfishness. Selfishness. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, and with whom I decide to do it with. Selfishness. What did Jesus say to the disciples when they were powerless? Do you, and now listen to me carefully. There's a time, boy, when you're close to God, you can feel the power of God, the presence of God. It's awesome. And then there's a time where you just get deflated and you get down and you, wow, what's the problem? Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He came down, and while he was up there, a man brought his son who was possessed by the devil, de- demons, and they couldn't do anything to help him. They tried everything they could. Oh, wow, we, what's going on here? And, uh, oh, they just did everything they could. They prayed in Jesus' name. They bound the devil. N- nothing happened. Jesus came down and Changed the whole situation just like that with one word. The disciples walked off with Christ and they said, Wow, Lord, may we ask you a question? Yes. Why couldn't we heal this man? Why why couldn't we do it? You remember when you sent us out to to witness two by two that we could just do miracles? We, We just speak in your name, everything happened. Jesus said, yes. He said, but this kind of evil goes out only through what? Prayer and fasting. You know what that means, don't you? Self-denial. There was a time when the disciples were so close to Christ in doing what he told them to do that they were powerful in doing what they were instructed to do by him. And then when they just got puffed up and just kind of got lax and Oh, man, you know, get out of here, devil. Huh? I said, go. Didn't go. You know why? Because they had failed to do self-denial. They had failed. Jesus said to the disciples, deny yourself. 
If you want to follow me, you have to stay in that state. Deny yourself. Imperative. Take up your cross. Imperative. And follow me. Present active indicative. Keep on doing it. You have to keep on doing that. If you break the pattern, your commitment is going to be very challenged. And you have to go back to that point to bring the cross up to date in your life. Now, true commitment focuses on the mind. Jesus said you're to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Listen, true commitment focuses on the mind. Have you ever read about Jonathan Edwards? Jonathan Edwards was the son of a preacher. He was born in the 1700s. As a matter matter of fact, he was born in 1703. Jonathan Edwards, one of the finest men you've ever read about in history, was the third president of Princeton University. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, I have resolved to follow God with all my mind and with all my heart and with all my will. And then secondly, he said, resolved also whether others do or not, I will. Man, we need that kind of people today at Oxford Baptist Church. We need to make that kind of a commitment to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we're just going to do what He says. We're going to follow Him, and we're going to be resolved to do that. We've got to keep our mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. The mind must take in the knowledge of God. How do we hear God speak? Listen to this. We hear God speak through the Scripture, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, through coming together as a body of Christ, and through circumstances in life. And when the mind takes all of this into itself and interpolates it, we begin to absorb what it is that God would have us to do and how He would have us to live and what is our challenge now. Let me ask you this. Do you have your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ? The mind begins the process, and it must be extended to the heart. Listen to what the Scripture says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and be sober-minded. In the King James, I like it the best. I like ESV. I love it from the Greek standpoint. But listen to what the King James says. Uh, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind uh, and be sober. That means collect your thoughts. You know, we need to collect our thoughts. Sometimes our thoughts just go rampant. We need to collect our thoughts and we need to put our minds back on the Master. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That you be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. we got to put our minds back in gear. Amen? When we put our minds back in gear and start having these kinds of thoughts, and we get really close to God, you know, oh, it just changes us. It changes everything about us. It changes the direction we're going. It's just wonderful to put your mind on Christ. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your mind. Now let me tell you this, the the first thing that every child of God is challenged to do by God himself, uh, the first thing is not to do something. The first thing is just to love him. Amen? It's to love him. And love him how? Love him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. This mental process is so important 
The mental process will lead us to an intellectual consent and commitment. But let me tell you this, and I want you to listen to me carefully. There is a great difference between knowing something and doing something. Is that right? Do you know I've met people through the years that say, well, I know what God says. And then all I have to do is say, well, how are you doing? You know, knowing what to do is one thing, and then doing it is another. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is that true commitment comes when you absolutely focus on your heart. The heart refers to that aspect of a person that embraces emotionally that which the mind has analyzed. Now, when you take into consideration how God speaks and your mind is analyzing that, and you take in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and we're sharing together in the Bible study time, and God speaks to you collectively then you can get your mind going in the right direction. Oh, collect your thoughts, the Scripture says. There's so much to place your mind on. And incidentally, if you don't, your mind can be drawn away. Your thoughts can be really secular and not about the Savior. That's the reason Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, friends, listen, let me tell you, that's so important to keep your mind centered on the Lord. It's so vital. And then what happens is uh, the heart begins to take what the mind has analyzed and knows from your inner being, what to do. Listen to the Old Testament, says Proverbs 3, 5. You know it by heart. Trust in the Lord always. What? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him. Boy, listen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How does that happen? Well, you got your mind in gear. God is speaking to you. Uh, You've read the Scripture, you've fellowshiped. Oh, listen, all the avenues are beginning to take perspective and place in your life. And now you can take those thoughts that are of God and you can put them in the center of your heart. And then when they're in the center of your heart and you're directing them towards God, He tells you, just trust me. Just trust me. You trust Him. Man, I was sitting there thinking this morning, uh, Steve, when we were singing about God, how faithful He is, and, and trusting in Him, and how much He loves us, I got to thinking over the times that I've had myself in trouble. Have you ever got yourself in trouble and just trust in the Lord? I remember one time when I was uh, flying a little airplane uh, uh, with another man. I'd never flown with him, so they asked me to check him out at night. And I, he was a good pilot. I, I was sitting in the right seat. He was in the left. And we took off. And oh my, he did really well taking off. And when we come back down and turn in, uh, he just started going nuts. And he said, it looks so different. It looks so different. And his hands were gripping the yoke. And he was breaking out in a sweat. And I could see that he was leaving me. And I had to actually beat his hands off the yoke. I said, the plane is mine. The plane is mine. And then he was going, ho, oh, oh. ho. And I said, oh, God, help. You ever been like that? And finally I got his hands off and I landed. 
And immediately when we hit the ground, I called that instructor. And I said, don't you ever let that man in another airplane until you give him some further training. I remember one night I was flying in on final at runway five in, in Macon, Georgia. Uh, I was down, coming down the ILS approach, and my plane caught a fire. It caught a fire. And I said, oh, whoo! And I got my fire extinguisher and under the dash and opened a little window to let it out. And I started, started, oh, God. Well, why is it that we wait till we get in trouble like that before we really get spiritual? Yeah. Oh, Lord. You know, well, somebody asked me, well, how did you make that landing? Well, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it didn't go well. God answered my prayers. He's answered your prayers. Boy, when you put your heart on Him and you got your mind on Him, one preacher said it this way, when you have your mind on Christ and you're willing to put it into your heart for action as the heart interpolates what the mind has sent it, and you are in the process of making a commitment to honor God, no matter where you are or what you're doing, he's going to look after you. He's going to make sure everything comes out all right. One preacher said it this way, As long as I am in the will of God, I am invincible because God is going to keep me until that day he's ready for me to come home. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We need to trust him with all our heart. The next thing is Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, keep your heart with all diligence. Uh, There's just nothing like having a, a, a heart that's filled with the things of God. Keeping those promises that you've made to Him and those promises you've made to your own life. Oh, listen, temptation comes and you say, no, I know what God has said. I've got my mind on him. It's in my heart to tell you this. If I did that, I would be betraying, be betraying myself. I would be betraying my Lord. I would be betraying the family. I can't do that because that would betray everything I stand for. Boy, when you put your heart on God, it is awesome. W.A. Tozer said it this way. The whole man must make the decision before the heart can know any satisfaction. Boy, there's nothing like knowing satisfaction in your heart. I want to give you some insight. You know, have you ever seen that commercial, My Pillow? As a matter of fact, I bought one. <laughs> Y'all have noticed I have a, a neck that doesn't turn really good to the left, and I've tried everything. And I got me a my pillow, and you know what? It hadn't helped a bit. Uh, I do sleep better on it, I think. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to get a good night's sleep. Know in your mind that your mind is on Christ. Know in your heart that you're ready to do anything He would have you to do and make that commitment that is so satisfying and pleasing. Oh. When you lay your head down, I don't care if it's on a my pillow or if it's just on a regular pillow. You'll sleep good because you have a good heart. St. Augustine of Hippo said it this way. He said, restless is the heart of man until man's heart rests 
in God. Oh, listen, it's so important. Then lastly, true commitment focuses on the will. The will is that seed of decision and obedience resulting in a holy life. If your mind is on Christ and you love Him with all your heart, you'll just decide to follow Him. Amen? Isn't that very logical? Isn't it logical? I like what Paul says in Romans when he tells us uh, that if we put our minds and get them renewed, he says in the Greek, this is your logisticon uh, act of worship. This is your reasonable act of worship. Oh, it's just reasonable. When you follow God's logic, it is so simple. It's not difficult. God help us to be committed. Put your mind in gear. Put it on Christ. And then send that message to your inner man, to your heart. And then when that takes place, the seat of decision and obedience will result in a holy life. If your mind is on Christ and you love Him with all your heart, you're just going to follow Him. Let me say this to you. If you ever decide to be better, don't work. If you ever decide and hope to be like this or like that, that doesn't work. Listen to this. We can't sit back and hope for holiness. Holiness only comes through deliberate discipleship. Commitment only comes when you make up your mind. Send it to your heart. And then watch your whole life take on a different perspective. Because then your will is under the hand of Almighty God. It's time to make a commitment. It's time to do what God wants you to do. It's time to be consistent. It's time to be disciplined. It's time to make the real commitments that you know God would have you to make in order for your life to be what you know it ought to be. Amen? It just don't come by hoping. It comes by deliberate discipleship. It comes by giving it all to Him. Aren't you glad in your spirit that Jesus Christ went all the way? Father, is there another way? No. Nevertheless, it's not my will, but your will be done in my life. Thank God that He did pay the ultimate sacrifice for all of us when He died on the cross of Calvary taking in his body your sins and mine, buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and on the third day, gloriously, eternally resurrected from the dead, and has ascended into the heavens to be at the right hand of God the Father. His ministry is still not done. He's making intercession for us. And then the Bible says one day he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for the body of Christ. And we're going to go to be where he is. And we'll be with him forever and ever. Is it too much to ask in this day in which we live to be committed? I don't think so. God help us to be committed. Let's pray together. There may be someone here this morning. And you've made a commitment to receive Christ into your life. But you've never followed him in believer's baptism and become a part of the New Testament body of Christ. I'm going to ask you in just a minute, if that's the case, I'm going to ask you to please come forward. We would rejoice with you in knowing that you've received Christ. Others of you, 
If you're here and you'd like to be a part of this great fellowship, I'm going to ask you to come and say, I want to be a member of this body of Christ here. I want to grow together with you. And then, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's all fitting for us to make a rededication of our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Whatever commitment you need to make, you know that. And in your heart, make it this morning. It'll please Him. And it will absolutely give you peace in your heart. Father God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for the privilege of being together this morning. Thank You for all the men and women who have served our country so faithfully, many whom have given the ultimate sacrifice. And now, Father, we thank You most of all for Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Lord of our life. Father God, speak to people and give them courage to act. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at oxfordbaptistchurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.